Support for Innovation Hub comes from Bunker Hill Community College with internship opportunities at Boston's top corporations through BHCC's Learn and Earn program. More information at bhcc.edu le. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. Since the inauguration a few weeks back, I feel like my life has become a haze of reading and listening to politics, falling asleep, and then waking up and doing the same thing all over again. So it feels like a very long time ago. It was actually January 27th, but it feels like a long time ago when President Trump stopped refugees from coming into the country and halted immigration from seven countries. Protesters, of course, started to flock to airports, and I started to pay attention to one particular guy on Twitter. I'd actually met him in person a couple of times, though I did not know him well. His name is Bilal Zuberi. He's in his late 30s, he's very smart, and he's a venture capitalist in Silicon Valley. We served together on the advisory board of the Lemelson Foundation, which is a nonprofit that encourages invention and inventiveness, mostly in kids, and it meets once a year. One of the first things that caught my eye on Bilal's Twitter feed were letters that his kids had written to the president. So I emailed him and I asked him if he had time to talk. And Bilal, you said yes. So thanks for being here. Nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So what are you hearing? Like if you go out to get a cup of coffee or if you're around people at work, like what kind of things do you overhear? Oh, God, (laughs) the overwhelming discussion with each other is, did we just wake up into a terrible dream? Is this a nightmare that if we just went back to sleep, it'll go away? We cannot believe what is going on. There's this tremendous anger at uh, at some of the stuff that's getting talked about and now we're seeing in action around the policy front. People are worried and scared. There are people who are really scared about their dreams getting shattered because they'll be sent back or they won't be let back in. They have families that are abroad that they're worried about them not being able to see each other. In such an environment, I have to say there are people who have been publicly posting that I simply cannot code anymore. I just cannot focus on work anymore. I just have to figure out what I need to do to make sure that this chaos goes away and and the the worst of the possibilities here do not come to be. I know you were a grad student right after 9-11 happened and uh, you had to put your name on a registry because you were an international student. You were also from a Muslim country. Um, and then you were going on a trip to Mexico with other scientists and officials at the airport didn't give you an exit interview. And so they didn't want to let you back in when you were trying to come back to the U.S. Since so many people now have been or are caught in that kind of legal limbo, Um, You know, thinking about this possibility of deportation, which was presented to you at the time, um, what did it feel like to to face potential deportation? What did it feel? First, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear because you put everything on the line to achieve your goals and ambitions. And you feel like this entire house that you're trying to assemble is all going to fall down all upon you. So that that, that sinking feeling in your heart that this is all going to fall apart is really painful. I cannot describe what it is like. And, you know, as I think about people who are coming in from other countries, whether they're students who are getting their visas canceled or whether they're green card holders who have jobs and aspirations of building a life here are being told you cannot come in anymore. I can only imagine what they're going through because in some ways I kind of went through that a little bit. The second thing is, is this intense 
emotion internal where there's anger on one side because you feel like this is your right and your right is being taken away from you. You've done nothing wrong. You've, if anything, you've been an exemplary citizen of the mm. state during this time. So there's this anger. But at the same time, you're like, but I got to control this anger right. because you this anger is it, like, right? you, you can't express it and you can't let this take you over. Right. You, you can't let this lead you into any dark alleys. You believe in what America stands for and you believe in eventually law and order to prevail. And you eventually believe in, in my case, I was, you know, I believe in goodness to prevail. What was worrisome was that this belief in goodness might reside in the goodness of this one man that may be deciding my fate uh, in a secondary inspection screening at the Customs and Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. Right. So when all of your American ideals come down to does this guy standing in front of me believe in the same ideals that we talk about as the American ideals? That's a little bit scary. So now you've got two young kids, as I said, uh, both your daughter and your son wrote, um, I guess, letters to to President Trump because you posted them on Twitter and I I saw them. Um, Can you read what your daughter and and what your son wrote? (laughs) Sure, sure. So. My my children are American-born citizens. We have taken pride in instilling in them uh, a patriotism and nationalism, but also a sense of civic duty. Uh, and we're trying to do that as they as they grow up. Their mom was not okay with them joining me at the demonstration, uh, so instead the mom said, "You know, you guys can can write a letter to President Trump." Um, my son, uh, who is um, six years old, drew a sad face. Uh, with tears coming out of the eyes, uh, and it read, Dear Trump, I am sad that you're being mean to us. Hmm. And, of course, with all the spelling mistakes you would expect (laughs) from from a six-year-old. My daughter, who's eight years old, wrote a, a longer letter saying, Dear Donald Trump, can you please stop being mean to Muslims? And I don't like the idea of building a wall in between America and Mexico because two reasons. One, it is unconstitutional, and B, because I'm a Muslim. Please reply, P.S., my friend is Mexican. (laughs) And she had a sad face and she said feeling on it. She drew stick figures of Americans on one side, Mexicans on the other, all Hmm. sad in a wall. And she said, don't want. But what's interesting is she signed it as sincerely, Ayla Zuberi. Okay, she wrote her last name. So my wife, when I came back, she showed it to me. And she said, maybe she shouldn't put her last name because mm. then she can be identified. Right. And my daughter's like, but I want to be identified. I want President right. Trump to reply to me. Right. And it was this, this, this conversation inside the house of like, you know, should you be scared that you are saying something that the president may not agree with or right. you're and and I think it was it was a moment of learning not only for them, but I think for for the adults in the household as well. You're listening to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. I'm talking with Bilal Zuberi, partner at Lux Capital, a venture capital firm in Silicon Valley. Do you think that fewer immigrants will come to Silicon Valley, will start companies? And obviously, there's a huge number of companies that have been founded or co-founded. It depends on the the numbers you look at, but some statistics say something like 50% have been co-founded or or founded by an immigrant. Do you think that's going to change? I really hope not. 
but I am worried about this, um, not only because of the statistics of how many companies have uh, founders and co-founders who are immigrants into this country, many of them students who come here as students and stay on. We train them, we educate them, and then they do good things for us and create jobs, myself being an example of that, frankly. But I do worry that people... People don't want to come to unfriendly countries. People don't want to come where their lives and property are at risk. We are entering a stage where it's not just a matter of, oh, there's somebody down the road who may not like me. The hidden racism that may have been and and that we were obviously constantly as a society fighting against and trying to be better, uh, it has become blatant. It's almost right. It's okay to, to say racist or sexist things. It's okay somehow to denigrate people and, and frankly, to become violent. And I think that is really scary because that is not what uh, immigrants want, but more importantly, those that we want to come here, those who are smart and educated and looking for, they're ambitious and are looking for an opportunity to build some something of themselves. That, I think, is at risk. We're already starting to hear people ask for, you know, international scientific and engineering conferences to be held outside the country because hmm. if a lot of the world cannot visit here, right. then, then these conferences should move out. That's not good. That's not good for our researchers. We're already hearing about companies thinking about setting up uh, operations outside because they can't bring the employees here. So we might have to just put, keep them outside. And frankly, what this will do is drive away the best immigrant entrepreneurs that we have here. Because if if they're really that good, if they're really on the verge of starting the next Apple or Google or Facebook or Microsoft, then then they are in demand elsewhere as well. And frankly, if it was uh, better, easier, convenient for them uh, to be in other parts of the world, be it you know London, Berlin, Dubai, Singapore, Hong Kong, all of these names are being discussed now, mm-hmm. then they would do that. Is there already, do you think, a perceivable shift, you know, with some of the best and brightest, like moving away to those places? I don't mean one or two people, but is this really happening in a perceivable way? Well, certainly in the, uh, I would say, in the in the Arab community uh, and in communities from Iran and Pakistan, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is definitely a phenomenon okay. that's, you know, uh, that that's not just a random guy I know, mm-hmm. but like, Four of my friends have have moved um, to, in this case, Dubai and and other places to start their companies. Mm. So yes, that's definitely happening. But you know, we're going to fight back. We're, we're we as Silicon Valley, we need these people here. We want them here. These are the kinds of people that Silicon Valley was built on top of. And 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 I think, um, you know, we we're not going to give up. Like I don't think, despite anything that might happen in Washington D.C. and 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 the, you know unconstitutional laws or executive orders and what else may come down. We're not ready to give up, which is what I think you're seeing. Um, you know, when when from Sergey Brin, the founder of um, Google, to, um, to, to uh, you know, all kinds of CEOs of companies that we use every day are out there speaking aloud about this, joining the protests, giving money to ACLU, you know, having funds created to protect their employees who are abroad, um, I, I think, you know, we we consider this not only, you know, what we need to do to for our own businesses, but this is really at the end of the day, 
we have to do this for ourselves and for our country. So that, that leads to a really interesting question, which is, as you said, the reaction was very swift in terms of CEOs and companies, whether it's Howard Schultz at Starbucks or, you know, Brian Chesky at Airbnb getting out there and saying, we're going to pledge help in this way or we're going to take this action. Or, as you said, here's a bunch of money for uh, American Civil Liberties Union. But how much leverage, how much power does Silicon Valley really have here? You know, when you think about the weeks and months to come, what can they really do? You know, it's it's an it's an important discussion to be had. Clearly, this president did not emerge out of a rat hole that nobody knew where it existed. He lived in the middle of all of these people hobnobbing with entrepreneurs and executives and living in New York City and whining and dining with them. So he has friends in this sector. He has people's, people whose opinions he, uh, even if he disagrees with, he at least listens to. People like the Uber CEO or the Tesla CEO are on his business advisory council. People like Peter Thiel are close advisors to him on at least technology and, and, and some business issues. So these people have his, his ear. I'm not sure how much they will uh, be able to convince him, but they definitely have an audience and they need to speak con- their conscience and they need to, um, you know, help um, sanity prevail that politics should be secondary. What's good for America should be first. And that data is clear. Immigrants build businesses. Immigrants create jobs. Immigrants create value for our country. Immigrants are ambassadors of friendship and respect, not only in our own communities, but they really are the best ambassadors of American optimism abroad. When when I go back, you have no idea how many people I talk to and, you know, they start their discussion with America hates us and the conversation ends up as, you know, awesome that you like Twitter and Facebook and Uber and these are all Americans <laughs> who are building this every day. So, you know, we need these global connections. We cannot, you know, it sounds... Uh, awkward to be saying this in 2017, but we're not in 1950s. We can't build a wall around us. We we do business worldwide. Uh, you know, for every product that we have, there's an equal product that somebody else somewhere else in the world is producing. And if we are seen as the enemy, we really stand to suffer. For every Uber, there's an Ola cab or there's a Didi Kuwaiti or there's a Kareem. For every Tesla, there's a Faraday Future or there's tons of other companies out of China. And I think this is a global market, and and if you lose in this in this world where branding really matters, where people buy Apple products because as much as they buy for the quality, they buy to be associated with the company of right, Apple. Right. Uh, if we as a country become somebody that people don't want to associate with, then we have really big problems. And the reason you see Silicon Valley out there is not only because the Muslims today are are uh, at stake and, and Muslims today are being categorized and, and singled out because they realize that tomorrow it could be another population. Mm-hmm. It could be the blacks, it could be the Mexicans, it could be the Jews, it could be anybody. And uh, and this is just entirely an American, and we cannot allow this for the long-term future of the country. Bilal Zuberi is a partner at Lux Capital, a venture capital firm in Silicon Valley. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Very nice to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
you can see the letters that Bilal Zuberi's son and daughter wrote to President Trump in their own handwriting. That's at facebook.com slash innovation hub radio. Support for Innovation Hub comes from Cambridge Savings Bank. Introducing the CSB1 package, a checking account combined with investing through Connect Invest to help you build a better tomorrow. CambridgeSavings.com/CSB1